And by the way, all I, I don't know that there's not a hymn in the book that's not really a Christmas carol, if you know what I'm saying, because it's all the story of Jesus Christ, amen? And um, we have a few songs that we sing just at Christmas time. I wish we could get out of that habit somehow, but it just feels weird singing Joy to the World in July. I mean, it just does. And uh, especially God rest you merry gentlemen. If there's not a chill in the air, it just doesn't sound right. Uh, but um, it, aren't traditions sometimes terrible things? Uh, I mean, uh, it, it'd be nice to sing those songs all year round, just put them right in. But uh, if you did, everybody look at you like you're something wrong. And uh, so what will we do? We'll just, uh, we'll just muddle on in this life until we get to heaven, and then there won't be any restrictions at all. Amen? And uh, we'll keep serving the Lord, and we're going through here. Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 50. Isaiah chapter 50. And uh, this is not necessarily a traditional passage when people come to talking about the prophecies, but certainly as we look through this, it is um, uh, verses 5 and 6 are just blatant verses dealing with the suffering, the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as I Look through these other verses of this chapter. I mean, really, this, this whole chapter here has an incredible application to the ministry, to the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We, we start in verse 1. It says, Thus saith the Lord, Where is the bill of your mother's divorcement whom I have put away? Or which of my creditors is it to whom I have sold you? Behold, your iniqui behold, for your iniquities have ye sold yourselves, and for your transgressions is your mother put away. Now, of course, this is prophecy here, and this is dealing also with the sins of the children of Israel. But the application is right there, is it not? Are we in trouble? I mean, you gotta, you got to look what the writer is saying here. The writer is saying, listen, are you guys in trouble because I'm sitting in heaven just thundering judgment down upon you? He says, no. He says, you're in trouble because you went out and sold yourselves. That's what it says, amen? And that's what each one of us have done when we were little. We got to a point, I mean, little babies, they, they do wrong things. I mean, as sweet as little Esther is, if she wants a drink and she thinks you're walking away from her and ignoring her, she will let the whole neighborhood know it's time for you to get me a drink right now. Now, she cannot form one of the words in that sentence. But, I mean, she communicates that effectively. I mean, it is just... And, I mean, and, it, and the farther you walk away, the louder it gets. And uh, you say, Esther, she's too sweet to do anything wrong. Well, she doesn't know what she's doing yet, but she's doing wrong. She really is. And, but there'll come a day when she understands 
the difference between right and wrong, and she will repeat what Adam and Eve did in the Garden of Eden. And uh, don't look at me like I got two heads, because you've already been there and done that, unless you're too little to, uh, unless you haven't got quite that age yet. But that is what we all do. And the prophet here says, listen, behold, for your iniquities have ye sold yourselves. Verse 2, wherefore, when I came, was there no man? When I called, was there none to answer? Is my hand shortened at all that it cannot save, or have I no power to deliver? God is, again, he's just pleading with Israel and with you and I today. And with the Jews in the days when Jesus walked the city streets of Jerusalem. God said, is there anything wrong with me that I cannot save you? What's the answer to that question? Of course not. There's nothing wrong with God. And God goes on. He says, look, verse, middle of verse 2, Behold, at my rebuke I dry up the sea, I make the rivers a wilderness, their fish stinketh because there is no water, and dieth for thirst. I clothe the heavens with blackness, and I make sackcloth their covering. The Lord God hath given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. He waketh morning by morning. He wakeneth my ear to hear as learned. The Lord hath opened mine ear and I was not rebellious, neither turned away back. Look at verse 6. I gave my back to the smiters and my cheek to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. Did you get verse 5? In verse 4 he says, listen, I know how to speak in the proper season. He said, I'm not rebellious. The Lord hath opened my ear. He said, neither turned away back. He said, I didn't. I didn't back out on what God had planned. But I gave my back to the smiters. My cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. It says, I hid not my face from shame and spitting. Those are prophecies dealing with the death of Jesus Christ. What was the reason why he was there? Because he was being obedient to the Father's command. It's just that simple. God had this thing planned out. He's going to reiterate that in chapter 53 when we get there. It says, For the Lord God will help me. Therefore shall I not be confounded. Could you imagine all that Jesus Christ went through physically, spiritually, emotionally, every way a human being can suffer, Jesus suffered. Why? Because that was God's plan. 
God wants us to understand something. God hates sin. You know the difference between God and us? God hates sin. We like sin. Isn't that the difference? And sin destroys us. I mean, it doesn't matter what sin it is. I mean, we just finished Christmas and New Year's coming. I'll tell you, my favorite thing to do is eat. I love to sit down and I just, I love the candy. Somebody said, oh, that's too sweet for me. I can only have a little bit. I said, that's my problem. It's not. I can have all I, all I can hold and then some more. And uh, I mean, it is a battle. And you've, but if you eat, you can dig your grave with your fork, can't you? I mean, there, there are people who are dead today that would probably still be alive if they'd only restrain themselves just a little bit. You know, I've, I've always believed in exercise. You know, you push out so you can get some more, and then you pull up so you can enjoy it. Amen? Uh, push outs and pull ups, boy, I can exercise like that all afternoon. And, um, but that's, you know, and, and we laugh, and, and it really is funny a little bit. I hope it's a little funny. I say it to be funny, but we better be careful because it illustrates it. And if that sin is that destructive, think of all the others that are out there. They're all. And why did God do what he did? He did because he wanted to help us. It says, Therefore have I set my face like a flint. I know that I shall not be ashamed. He is near that justifieth me. Who will contend with me? Let us stand together. Who is mine adversary? Let him come near to me. Behold, the Lord will help me. Who is he that shall condemn me? Lo, they all shall wax old as a garment. The moth shall eat them up. Who is among you that feareth the Lord, that obeyeth the voice of his servant, that walketh in darkness and hath, and darkness and hath no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon his God. Behold, all ye that kindle a fire, that can pass yourself about with sparks, walk in the light of your fire and in the sparks that ye have kindled. This shall ye have of my hand. Ye shall lie down in sorrow. What he's saying is all of you that are going to make your own light, all of you that are going to uh, uh, see things your way and not God's way, he said, you're going to lie down in sorrow. But if you'll just trust in God. I mean, you think of, of Jesus, how he stood there silent. Of course, that was another prophecy we'll get to in a few moments. As they accused him of every vile thing in the book. And yet, Jesus didn't even open his mouth. Let's go to Isaiah 53. don't want to go too far into... I mean, Isaiah 53. I don't know how any person can read this chapter and honestly deny that it's talking about Jesus Christ. That's hard to do. As, uh, as I am accustomed to say, you have to practice to be that ignorant. Somebody's got to help you out. You've got to go to school and be taught 
Uh, you, you're not that dumb by accident. Amen? Uh, that kind of ignorance comes on purpose. It's because you don't want to see it. And so let's start. Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Somebody want to answer that question? How about everybody? Amen? The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. For, verse 2, For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. There is something wrong about all of these pictures of Jesus and these depictions of Jesus that make him desirable. Uh, Because that's not the Jesus of the Scriptures. He was so much a man that the Pharisees looked at him and said, We're going to stone you because you're a man and you make yourself God. It wasn't his appearance. It wasn't his cutting blue eyes. It it wasn't the fact that he stood six foot four and looked like a Greek god. You know, that's the kind of god the world's one. Ted and Franz will remember this. We got a set of videos one time and they were um, um, Peter go take care of that please Um, they were cartoon depictions of the entire Bible and uh, we went through some of those and we figured well you know we're going to be getting a video camera if they're good maybe we can use them and 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 help kind of with the Sunday school and stuff and and so uh, we we uh, I picked the story that was Jesus as a little boy going to the temple. They had Jesus going, wow, the temple, ooh, that's blasphemy, my friend. Jesus was not impressed by the stones that Herod had put up. He was the object of worship of the temple. He certainly wasn't impressed by the buildings. He wasn't, oh, a real sacrifice. I get get to hold the lamb. Now, that's the way every other Jewish 13-year-old boy was. But that's not the way Jesus was. Because when Mary and Joseph's went searching for him it was son why have you treated us like this and it was didn't you know I must be about my father's business Jesus understood very thoroughly who he was and what he was doing from day one he just had to wait until his body caught up I mean I don't know about you but I hate waiting I mean uh, now is fine yesterday is better uh, waiting, uh, I don't like to wait. Does anybody here like to wait? Just sit there, watch that traffic light go through four or five cycles before you get through. Uh, I don't like waiting. Jesus had to wait 30 years. You know what he did in that 30 years? Normal, everyday, meaningless 
Were they meaningless? Absolutely not. Because he lived each day the way God wanted him to. We get disgusted because we're not doing anything important. Wait a minute. Living today God's way is important. Otherwise, God wouldn't have you here. Doing right today is what unlocks the door for tomorrow. Amen? It takes time to grow up. Jesus took time. There was nothing about him that when you saw him, you would want to run over and fall down and worship him. In fact, as soon as he began to reveal himself for who he was, verse 3 kicks in, he was despised and rejected of men. They looked at him and said, Nah, no, no, no. <laughs> Uh, that's a nice thought, but you're not the Messiah. And yet he did and he taught. And he is the Messiah. Amen. It says, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. I've heard preachers preach sermons. If I, if I had been there. When Jesus was crucified, I would have done something. Read the next read the next phrase, and we hid as it were our faces from him. That's what you would have done if you were there. That's what the disciples did. They ran away, they hid themselves. It says he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Do you remember what the disciples were saying on the road to Emmaus after Jesus had resurrected from the dead? He said, why are you guys so sad? And they said, well, you don't, you don't know what happened? Well, let me tell you, there's this man named Jesus, and, and he, was, he, he was killed, and, and we thought he was the Messiah. Do you know what they were saying? They're saying, we thought he was the Messiah. Now we know he's not. That's why Jesus was angry with them. Oh, ye fools and slow of heart. And he took time to open up Isaiah and these passages. Aren't you glad Jesus is patient? Isn't that a blessing? Where would we be if God were the kind of God that we paint him to be? I mean, we go back to Isaiah chapter 50. You know, uh, we, we like to blame things on God. He says, where's, where's your uh, bill of divorce? Where's your mother's bill of divorcement? He said, I didn't sell her. She sold herself. He said, who did I sell you to? He said, nobody. He said, you sold yourselves. He said, but I set out with a straight purpose to bring you back to me. It's amazing, is it not? It's unbelievable. Verse 4, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Did you get that? He was suffering for us. 
And what did we say? Well, I, I guess, I guess that's what God wants. And it really was what God wanted, but that wasn't supposed to be our response, because God wanted it so you and I could go free. We still together here? And uh, we keep moving on. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Now, here's a prophecy talking about you and me. All we like sheep have what? Gone astray. And guess what? We've helped the ones that wanted to go in the right direction. And we have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord comes in and lays on Jesus the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he openeth, opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before his shears is dumb. So he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. I remember hearing a sermon one time. A, a man who studied Jewish tradition and all of these things said that every rule of the Sanhedrin was broken in Jesus' trial and his condemnation to death. And he went through and had studied the Mishnahs and the Torahs and had... I mean, not the Torahs. There's only one Torah. The Mishnahs and the... Um, oh, boy. Well, Tractates is another type of it. And um, it'll come later, I'll tell you. Uh, another name for their, uh, their Mishnah is a commentary. Talmud, there we go. The Mishnah is a commentary on the Bible and the Talmuds are commentaries on the commentary. Uh, the Bible, the Old Testament, you can hold in your hand. The Mishnahs would, uh, would at least fill the platform with bookshelves. The Talmuds literally would fill the auditorium with books. I mean, that's where the traditions come from. And they knew all of those things. It says, and they broke every tradition, every little rule that they had. They broke so that they could make sure that Jesus went to the cross. That's why it says he was taken from prison and from judgment. And yet these men, most of which could quote these verses right here, I mean, they spent their whole life studying the Bible. They couldn't wake up and realize that they were actually doing to Jesus exactly what the prophet said would happen. I don't know about I hope you don't mind me repeating that. I mean, it just blows my mind. Here you are fighting against God and so blinded by your hatred. You have no clue that what you're doing is actually being obedient to the Scriptures. Look at verse 9. Here's his burial. And made his grave with the wicked. 
How was Jesus crucified? Between two thieves, wicked men. And with the rich in his death. Who buried Jesus? Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. History tells us the two richest men in Jerusalem in that day. They brought spices for him as if he were a king. Tell you, Herod did not get the burial that Jesus got, at least according to Jewish tradition and all of that. He had a lot more people trumpeting and all of that kind of stuff, but the actual honoring and the and the burial and things was as fine as any king that ever lived. He made his death with the he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Now we get to verse ten, and every time I read verse ten, I just have to stop. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Let's look at that one more time. Yet it what? Pleased the Lord to bruise him. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. Why? He shall see his seed. There's going to be a continuation. We live because of his death. Guess what? We're not the first Christians. Aren't you glad about that? You know, some of these people, they wait a thousand years, fifteen hundred years, two thousand years after Jesus uh, lived here on earth, and they want to write their own book and talk about how that they have found some truth that nobody else has ever had. It, it says, wait a minute. He shall see his seed. Jesus literally saw those who were going to continue on teaching exactly what Jesus taught. We know them as the twelve disciples. Amen? But it didn't stop there now, did it? They kept teaching. And you and I, we are a result of somebody. Everyone in this room. Somebody got this word and got saved and brought it to you. Somewhere, somebody brought this to you. There's a connection. Now, if you want to spend your whole life worrying about tracing your genealogy be my guest, but don't talk to me about it. Amen? The Bible says avoid vain genealogies which do gender strife. I've only met one guy that actually told me he, he, he had it the whole way back. And you know what he was? He's a Protestant. Had Baptist on the name, but he, was, he believed in Calvin's limited atonement that Jesus only died for the people that got saved. I said, your genealogy doesn't work, my friend, because it stops in 1553 when Calvin wrote his Institutes or whatever year that was. Because nobody believes what you believe before Calvin. It says, he shall see his seed. Just simple Bible believing. Amen? I believe this book called the Bible. 
And I'm not ashamed to say that Jonah was swallowed by the whale, that Noah wrote, built an ark and went through the flood. There's, there's no part of this Bible that I'm afraid of. Because it's God's word, amen? It says, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Do you think the Lord's happy that we're meeting here tonight as Open Door Bible Baptist Church? That's his pleasure. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. You go down to verse 22 of that chapter in Hebrews, and, and it says, until the church, that's, that was the joy, amen, his body. One day we'll all be assembled together in heaven. It says, he shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. Now, we ask that question, satisfaction. How many people have ever achieved satisfaction? I mean, if the food is really good, you just sit there and you say, boy, I, I wish there was some way I could get rid of what I have and just go through another bout of this stuff. I mean, that's just good. They ask old Rockefeller how much money was enough, and he said, just another dollar. There's nothing in this world that satisfies or is satisfying. They're having the drought. Remember the drought in California and the wildfires? Now there's enough rain to wash the place away. Uh, that is what we exist as and in as human beings. God looked at Jesus and said, I'm satisfied. And yet, you and I walk around today. We have to be careful now. Hear me out on this thing. We walk around today expecting lightning bolts to fall out of heaven if we step out of line. That's not the God of this book called Bible. God wants to marshal our desires. He wants to change our decisions. He wants to mold us and make us. He wants to conform us to the image of Christ. But the tool that God wants to use is love. Because God is love. And say, so you can push people only so far. You can lead them a little farther. You might be able to encourage them even a little farther than you can lead them. But you can love them anywhere. And that's what God wants to do. The highest human desire is love. And God says, if you love me, what? Keep my commandments. And this is the love of God. And we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. We can do that because Jesus satisfied the Father. Amen? We're not trying to earn our way to heaven. But we are free, totally free from our sins to serve God. That's, that's what it's saying here. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied by his knowledge. 
Shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities? Therefore will I divide with him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. That is the ministry of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He poured out his soul unto death, but being God, he took his life again. Amen. And he sits forever on the right hand of the Father doing what? Making intercession for us. For you and me. These are the prophecies of the death the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We've got one more section in this Bible study. And that is we're going to be picking types of Jesus Christ, pictures of Him. The Bible tells us Adam was a picture of Jesus Christ. But unlike, he is actually what you would call the anti-type. Not the anti-Christ, all right? The anti-type. Uh, he did exactly the opposite of what Jesus did. Jesus came to bring life to everybody. Well, I'm giving you the whole message already. I'm sorry. Uh, I just love this stuff. Uh, we'll be going through the tabernacle. Jesus is pictured in the tabernacle. Everything is in the tabernacle. Jesus is pictured in the lives of different individuals. In the Old Testament, God picked them and chose them and said, I want the way they live their life. Jesus pictured as a rock. Where'd that one come from, by the way? In the Old Testament. In Matthew chapter 16, something about, I will build my church on this rock. I will build my church. It's interesting. Jesus is pictured as a rock in the Old Testament. Amen? He's pictured as a Nehushtan in the Old Testament. Anybody know what Nehushtan is? If, if you don't, come Thursday night. We'll hopefully, we'll find out. No, it's not. Uh, it is the name of my computer hard drive, but uh, uh, we'll, we'll go through that. Uh, there's a reason for that. But there are many pictures and types of Jesus Christ. Everything in all of history. Uh, you ever wonder why where the word history comes from? It's right. That's right. His story. That's what history is all about. It's all about Jesus. Do you realize it took them until when was it? It was 1980 something when they finally came up with CE, current era, and BCE before current era. I mean, for all of modern history. It was before Christ, and A.D. is the Latin for in the year of our Lord. It's only been the last, not even 20 years, that they've uh, started publishing and taking A.D. out of the textbook because they don't want to give any credit to, the, to that guy in Galilee. Hey, you better be careful. It's his story, right? It's all about him. And I don't care what Daytimer says. It's not about you. It's about him. Amen? All of these things were prophesied in graphic detail. Even word for word in many instances. 
and yet those that actually played well. Okay, whatever that was. Those that played the parts did not even know, would not even recognize that they were fulfilling the Scripture. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We ask you to do your work in, in our hearts and in our lives tonight. Help us to keep our hearts focused on you. In Jesus' name we pray. And before we finish that prayer, we just want you to keep your heads bowed and eyes closed. If, if you need to take just a moment and find your way to an old-fashioned altar, the altar is open. Just a verse or two of the song, and then we'll, be, we'll close the service.